This message is a recording from Kaleo Phoenix, a church plant in downtown Phoenix that creates space to practice the ways of Jesus together as the multi-ethnic family of God. And good evening, Kaleo family. Always great to see you all. Um, It's a joy to get to share with you all tonight. Um, And if you don't know me yet, my name's Emma Sonar. Uh, My pronouns are she, her. And I've been a part of this wonderful community at Kaleo for almost three years now. Um, I would love to meet you afterwards if I haven't already, but I really do think I've met everybody (laughs) in this room, so that's great. Um, I want to take a second to honor the Native people that existed here before us with the land acknowledgement. I honor the first peoples of current day downtown Phoenix, the Thana Otham Nation. In the words of Lisa Sharon Harper that Erin also shares um, at the start of her sermons, they they were and are here. We see you, we honor you, and we thank you for laying foundations of harmony, balance, truth, and honor. Thank you for stewarding the land where creator settled your people. We bless you, we bless your elders, past, present, and emerging. We are in week four of the Lent season where we walk in solidarity with Jesus in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights after he is baptized by John the baptizer. I recently had a professor in my uh, seminary program at MTC call him John the Dipper, (laughs) and I really loved that. Um, There is something significant about this time that Jesus spends wandering and fasting, and it's still a bit of a mystery to me, to be honest. I'm often curious as to what he did during this time and why. I sometimes wish we had more of the details as to what Jesus talked about with his Father God for these days and nights, what stirred his spirit during this time. And perhaps we know more than we think. Maybe we see some of those conversations lived out by Jesus in the later parts of his ministry with his disciples. All the way up to his death and resurrection even. Or perhaps the three-in-one God just nerded out over the Old Testament the whole time. I mean, Jesus was a Jewish rabbi after all, even if he was unorthodox and considered by most an outsider. I want to preface this journey we are about to go on together with a few things. One is that I really do love the Bible as a beautifully and intricately woven story of God. It's sort of a divine conclusion I come to as well, considering I used to really struggle with the Bible, like a lot. Some parts of it still frustrate me even now, and although I love the Bible in the way God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit use it, I want to acknowledge that some of us in this room, myself included, have been severely wounded and the Bible was used to do that. There's a space for that here at Kaleo. That is a reality that we face and we lament. I do believe that God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit can use those same words that once wounded us to do something new, to create art, to restore, and to heal. There's a kind of spiritual practice that I love that I've used before in this space at Kaleo that I like to call interpretive story, interpretive scripture storytelling. 
I promise I won't use this practice every time I preach here <laughs> at Kaleo, but I do love to use it um, because of, it can make the stories of the Bible come alive in a new way. And before I jump into this practice that encompasses all of John 9, where we meet Jesus pretty far along in his ministry with his disciples, I want to take a moment to pray for restoration and healing over us as God is with us here and now. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, thank you so much for this space that we call Kaleo. Thank you for each and every person that is in this room. Um, I just pray restoration and healing over us. I know that um, life can be painful and words can be painful. Um, and I just want to pray over us afresh, um, just some healing um, and breathing and being and just that we can be um, whoever we are here in this space um, and I just pray that you would be with us as we process through some of our senses and emotions that come up as we go through this passage together. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, here we go. Um, I want to encourage you as we experience John 9 to pay attention to your senses as I read this story. So what do you see? What do you hear? What do you taste? What do you smell? How do you feel? And if you're someone who sense, whose senses often overlap, uh, pay attention to that too. What images, colors, letters, sounds are there and how do they go together? So I'll encourage all of you to get into a comfortable position, close your eyes or let your gaze wander and take a deep breath. Imagine yourself on a pathway. Feel the breeze and the sun brush against you. It is a beautiful Sabbath day. You notice you aren't alone on this pathway, but part of a group led by none other than Jesus himself. To the left and to the right of you are his disciples. You walk together with Jesus when he notices that you all are approaching a man who is blind along the path. One of your peers asks him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus responds back, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. You all are in front of the man who is blind now as you watch Jesus spit on the ground, swish it around in the dirt, and cover this man's eyes with it. He says, go, wash in the pool of Shalom. You watch as the man gets up to do exactly as Jesus says. You look around to see the whole group watching, dumbfounded. Then the running footsteps approach louder and louder 
as the man comes into view again, this time with full sight. You walk with him as he starts to encounter his neighbors. Some are confused, and you hear them whisper to each other, wondering if this man was the same one who was once blind and begging. You watch others do a double take, but they look away and say how alike he looks to the man who was blind and begging. The man hears them speaking about him and says, I am the man. They turn around and ask him, how then were your eyes opened? He responds excitedly saying, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Shalom and watch. So I went and washed and then I could see. His neighbors ask him, where is this man? He responds, I don't know. At this, you look around to find that Jesus and the rest of the group are nowhere to be found. You walk behind them as the neighbors bring this man to the religious leaders of the region, the Pharisees. The Pharisees ask the man how he had received his sight. He repeats to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and now I see. Some Pharisees respond with, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. Yet others say, how can a sinner perform such signs? They turn again to the man who had been blind. What have you to say about Jesus? It was your eyes he opened. He replies, he is a prophet. You watch as an older man and woman come onto the scene. The Pharisees asked them, is this your son? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that he can now see? Fearful of the Pharisees, they reply, we know he is our son and we know he was born blind, but how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. The Pharisees turn to the man again, give glory to God by telling the truth. We know this man is a sinner. The man replies, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. The Pharisees ask him again, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answers, I have told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? At this, the Pharisees start hurling insults at him and say, you are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man retorts back, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. The Pharisees sneer back, 
You were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? You watch as the Pharisees throw this man to the outside on the margins once again. You follow behind this man for a while, watching and listening as he goes about through the town. Up ahead, you see Jesus again. He notices you up ahead and smiles at you before turning his focus again to the man who is blind. The man lights up when he sees Jesus. Jesus asks him, do you believe in the son of man? The man asks, who is he, sir? Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus says, you now have seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. The man responds in worship and says, Lord, I believe. Jesus says, for judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. You hear from behind Jesus a voice saying, what are we blind to? You look around Jesus and it's the Pharisees once again. Jesus responds, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim to see, your guilt remains. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, thank you for this time that we get together to experience your word in a new way. Thank you for the ways that these stories were recorded. Thank you for the art of writing and storytelling that allows us to have space for ideas and thoughts. Thank you for um, everyone who was able to uh, participate in this with me today. Uh, thank you for trusting me with this space. And I just pray that we have a really fruitful, robust discussion together about what we experience and what is resonating with us and how you're speaking. We love you. Amen. All right, well, that was all 41 verses of John 9 that we just got to experience. Um, so thank you all for participating in that with me. Um, perhaps John, um, who is often referred to as the disciple that Jesus loved, and also the writer of this particular gospel account, um, may have experienced something similar to what we experienced uh, watching this story unfold. Or perhaps it wasn't John at all but someone else conveying what they saw to John and then him inviting us into that story as well. And your participation in this sermon of mine isn't quite done yet, I'm afraid. I want to try something a little bit different tonight and here's why. I believe there's a lot we can learn about these stories from each other and our experiences. Although I do have some thoughts I want to share from meditating over John 9 for the last few weeks, um, I don't want to be a person up here telling you all what you should think about this story. I guarantee each and every one of us just had a unique experience of this passage. 
there's something beautiful about a collective interpretation and discussion. It allows all of our experiences, perspectives, backgrounds, and cultures to bring out things that we didn't sense before. I'm going to give you all a few minutes to discuss with the people around you. You can share anything about what you experienced just now, what stood out to you, what resonated with you. And if you're an internal processor, there's space for that too. You can absolutely take a moment to jot some things down about what you just experienced instead of talking to people. I also want to validate anyone who might be like me and during some of these practices whose mind might wander off in the middle of an experience or get focused on a particular part of the story, um, share or write what that experience was like too. I believe it's all beautifully and mysteriously a part of what we experience as a community. All right, one, two, three, go. Jeff like the previous images of dust and water and healing. and Oh, yeah, that's great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again, for everyone, for participating in that. Um, I learned just as much from you all um, as you can learn from me. So that was a really crucial part that I wanted to include in this sermon was just learning from, from you, uh, from our community. Um, and there are things that we talked about too in our group that I didn't think about when I was writing this sermon. So um, I love that. Um, and it was really great. I'm, I'm getting richness from this passage, even just through, through this. So thank you. Uh, there, there are a few things, though, that I did prepare <laughs> ahead of time that I do want to share with you um, from this passage. Um, and one of them is that the Pharisees um, or the religious leaders in this story are divided when it comes to Jesus. Um, in John 9, 16, it says, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Jesus was doing something different. Some Pharisees were so wrapped up in the rules and laws of the traditions that they saw no other way. Kind of similar to what Rob was saying. Uh, but others remained curious. Is it not God alone who heals and restores? Could it be so through this man, Jesus? Another thing is that the Pharisees are struggling to believe this man who was once blind, so much so that they ask him how his eyes were opened twice, and they bring in his parents as extra witnesses. And this is, was not the first, nor will it be the last time that people in power don't believe the testimony of people on the margins of society. I'm gonna say that again. <laughs> this is not the first, nor will it be the last time that people in power don't believe the testimony of people on the margins of society. My favorite part about this story though is that this man is calling out the Pharisees on this. Um, he, the man who was once physically blind, calls them out for not listening. Here's what John 9, 26 through 34 says again. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. 
We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. This is such a powerful part of the story. In healing this man's blindness, Jesus also restores this man's dignity and self-worth enough for him to have the audacity to call out power. His faith is no longer in a power structure that tells him you're worthless, you're nothing, but in the person who healed him, Jesus. The final part of the story that I want to highlight is Jesus and how he calls out the blindness in the Pharisees. In John 9, 39 through 41, it says, Jesus said, for judgment I have come into the world so that the blind will see and those who will see who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, what are we blind to? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. And in John 10, later, (laughs) Jesus continues to call them out on this with a lot more chutzpah than the man who was once blind a few verses before. But that's a story for another day. I want to consider how often we ask the same question. What are we blind to? I think at times we are more like the Pharisees than we like to admit. The Pharisees often get a bad rep, but instead of demonizing them, what if we learned from them? John did indeed say some Pharisees who were with him, him being Jesus. In what ways are we also blind? In what ways do our friends with disabilities or who are neurodivergent see in ways who we, who are able-bodied or neurotypical, cannot? How are we restored in Jesus to demand dignity from those in power? How can we better listen to the testimony of those on the margins? How can we stand in solidarity with Jesus, who was on the outside? And how have we labeled the works of God as steeped in sin at birth? I'm about to get a little vulnerable with y'all for a second before I invite the band to come back up. It's been a taxing few weeks for our family at Kaleo. Um, Aaron, Chris, me, and many others of you have been feeling the weight of white supremacy, racism, patriarchy, homophobia, transphobia, xenophobia, ableism, and the list just goes on, doesn't it? I personally have been weighed down as a single woman in the church who is consistently discarded, left out, forgotten, cast aside, mansplained over, a failed attempt at matchmaking, and ridiculously undermined in the kingdom work of God. Something I know I'm not alone in in our community. 
and that I share with many of you. Could that woman really be of God, they say. She doesn't follow the women can't be in leadership tradition. Our hope is but a small flame in the midst of a seemingly overbearing darkness. But the fight is not over. We need each other and we're exhausted and we need each other in this fight. We need God who is able in this fight. And I'm so grateful for a space where I feel valued and listened to, known and seen as a single woman in the church. But the fight is still outside our doors. And our flame may be small, but it's still burning. And in the midst of this fight, do we dare consider the ways in which we are also blind? Who is it that we struggle to listen to? Who is it that we are so quick to say, oh yes, they are the ones that are blind? And as the band comes back up, I want to take a moment to breathe again, just as Aaron so gracefully started us with, (laughs) Um, and just sit in the moment as God is here with us. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thank you, thank you, thank you for this space that we call Kaleo. Thank you for the invitation that Aaron and Chris extended to me tonight to be able to share. Thank you to every single person that shared their thoughts, whether it was in a group, on paper, on Zoom, or um, out loud as a part of this sermon. I, um, I know that you're with us in this fight, even when sometimes it doesn't feel like it. And I just pray that um, you would continue to be with us, shaping us, um, speaking to us, comforting us, encouraging us as we move forward together, as we can continue to go after unity, reconciliation, healing, and creating the spaces for that. And I just pray continued healing and restoration within ourselves and that we can just sink in your love this week and as we continue to fight for the dignity of each other. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. For more information about Kaleo, visit kaleophx.com or follow us on social media at kaleophx.